From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. How many people do you talk to sometimes, Daniel? And you're standing right there with them and they're busy looking at their phone and then they look back at you and go, oh, I'm sorry, what did you say again? How disrespectful to be in someone else's space and to not be completely tuned in to what they're doing. Because what we're really saying is that you don't matter 100%. That whatever that was that just buzzed me, pinged me, ringed me, that, that, that carries more value than this moment where I'm connected to you. That's Kevin Brown, a keynote speaker and author, talking about creating a culture of heroes at your organization. We'll hear more from Kevin in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors. Are you still asking your patients, how did you hear about us? Listen, there are better ways to track that. Your reputation, website, and advertising campaigns don't matter if they don't bring in new patients. If you're not collecting data on your marketing efforts, you're wasting your marketing spend. Visit get.socialclimb.com MGMA to learn how Social Climb's platform helps you get more patients with data-backed marketing that tracks patients from first touch to a scheduled visit and beyond. Are you looking to grow in your career? Join MGMA for the Financial Management Certificate Program on August 9th through 11th. This MGMA Certificate Program is an in-depth online learning experience that provides healthcare leaders with a mastery of financial management concepts. Go to mgma.com slash events to learn more and to register today. Our guest today is Kevin Brown, an author and keynote speaker. Kevin is here today to talk about the hero effect. Kevin is also the opening keynote speaker at MGMA's Leaders Conference in Boston, which will be held there from October 9th through the 12th. Well, Kevin, thanks so much for joining us on the MGMA Insights Podcast. Daniel, great to be with you. It's an honor. Yeah, thank you. And um, just for our audience, you are a keynote speaker. You're an author. Um, And going back to that keynote speaker side of it, you're actually the opening keynote speaker for MGMA's Leaders Conference in Boston. It's going to be held there uh, October 9th through the 12th. Your talk intrigued me. I've been doing a lot of research on you. You talk about something called the hero effect. What is that? Yeah, well, thank you for that. And to be with the MGMA family, first of all, what an honor to do that. Opening keynote, no pressure there, right? (laughs) But this idea the hero effect. I, I never in a million years thought I would be a, an author, a speaker. I had a, a fabulous corporate career that I loved very much, spent 32 years in the franchise community, helping to build teams, lead teams, grow organizations. And so I have a passion for leadership. I have a passion for developing people. But this idea of the hero effect came to me back in 2007. I had a group ask me to speak. A couple thousand people would sit in a ballroom and when I met with their committee to do the prep work, because I wanted it to be special, wanted to be be relevant to them, I, I never imagined what would happen. I sat down with this committee. The committee chairwoman looked at me and she said, Kevin, 
listen, we don't want a stock speech. Man, we don't want to hear about leadership, vision, communication, customer service. We've been there and done that. And I got a little bit nervous because up to that point in my speaking career, all I talked about was leadership, vision, <laughs> communication, and customer service. And I remember looking at her and I said, what is it that you want me to talk about? And she said, we're not entirely sure. And then I got more nervous. And she said, here's what I can tell you. The men and women that you're going to be talking to are the hardest working people on the planet. They show up in the wake of disasters, big and small. They help people put their lives back together when they're broken. In fact, a lot of our customers consider them to be heroes. And when she said the word heroes, I wrote it down. I circled it, underlined it. She kept talking, but I didn't hear a lot of what she said after the word heroes. And so when she was done, I said, how about this? What if I give a speech about what it means to be a hero? to bring the best version of yourself to this moment and pour it into the people in front of you and to do that at work and at home. And she said, man, if you could do that, that would be brilliant. And from that moment on, my life has never been the same. Now realize I had just committed to do something I didn't know how to do. I had never talked about heroes. I'd never considered talking about heroes. And that set me on a journey, Daniel, of this, this my own hero's journey, this quest for what does it mean to be a hero? What does a hero look like? Because we hear this word so much, especially over the last three years, we've heard this word. In healthcare, we hear this word essential, we hear heroic, we hear all of these things, and rightfully so. I mean, you think about the MGMA organization, they, they, they remove the barriers to business so that the practice of healthcare can actually happen. Anybody attached to healthcare is a hero, anybody attached to healthcare is essential. But I wanted to know, how do you really spot a hero? And from that day till now, my life has never been the same. The simplest version, the simplest definition I can give you of the hero effect is being your best when it matters the most. Okay. Showing up and making life better, solving problems at a high level. And quite frankly, we've been conditioned to think about heroes in a very, very um, disingenuous way, quite frankly. I mean, you, you ask anybody on the planet, and they'll tell you heroes are ordinary people who do extraordinary things. And we think that is absolutely incorrect. We don't think anybody's here to make an ordinary contribution. So we flipped that definition on its head and we've been chasing it since 2007, literally around the world, a thousand clients, hundreds of thousands of audience members, and we're just super blessed to do what we do. All right. Well, Thank you. And the other, the other idea that people get, it's, it's hard to avoid, is uh, the whole superhero idea. You got to have a cape on, all that. But is it, can you just be a day-to-day -day hero? Be someone who is in the trenches, so to speak. You may not get all the recognition, but you're making a difference and you're doing things for yourself and for other people that that really shines that light on what it yeah. can be mean to be heroic. Yeah. And that's a great point because sometimes the, the very idea is so big mm -hmm. that, that we push it away and our own humility pushes it away. We don't want to necessarily be identified as a hero, but one thing I do know is that heroic things aren't necessarily big things. They're everyday things. Uh, moms and dads are heroes, teachers, doctors, nurses, healthcare workers, uh, utility workers, grocery store workers, heroes show up in all walks of life from all backgrounds. And listen, in our, in our world today, simply being kind to somebody is heroic. Simply smiling at somebody can be a heroic gesture. And so it's really not about big things. It's about doing great things in the moment that we're in. And most people miss the moment that they're in 
because we're so distracted. We run through life with our heads down and our thumbs moving, and we miss the only thing that we have control of in the first place, and that's the moment that we're in. And what the people in that moment with us desperately need is to be connected to that person in us. And maybe it's just a shoulder to lean on, Daniel. Maybe it's a kind word. Maybe it's, it's just somebody to hear our story and to say, you know what, you can get through this. It's going to be okay. So being a hero, you know, and we define heroes very differently. We define heroes as extraordinary people who choose not to be ordinary. We think ordinary is a choice. And sadly, it's a choice that far too many people make. And so just stepping into your own extraordinary self is heroic all by, all by itself. Yeah. Well, I want to take us out of the moment for just a second that you were talking about. I want to take you back to your formative years. Uh, I was reading about you. You talk about coming from an unconventional background, one with blue collar roots. Um, I want you to kind of look back at, at, at that person who was maybe grinding, maybe struggling, maybe just looking for purpose or just or just work putting their nose down and working hard. Um, what did you learn from that person who did have that unconventional background? What would you what would you say about that? Yeah, well, I've had heroes in my life, man, who've helped me an awful lot. And so I, I feel like I can be an authority on the subject because I've had so many of them show up in my life. I was a struggling street kid. I quit school in the ninth grade. I have no college training. And to have had the corporate career that I have, you know, having having built multi-billion dollar organizations with great leaders around me who poured into, into my my young mind as an emerging leader, going back to that kid, you know, I went through a tragedy from 13 to 16 in my life. And literally I've been homeless more than once. I used to live in hospital waiting rooms, public restrooms to get ready, went through a lot of hard times, but my dad's an old Navy man. And my dad taught me the value of hard work at a very young age, but he also taught me how to be resilient. And even going through those dark times, those, that crisis back then, that season of change. And we've all been in a season of change for the last three years. We've been in a season of crisis. And one of the things I know about crisis is that it never makes heroes. It just reveals them. And there's a lot of heroes in our world today who are hiding in plain sight every day, showing up and doing the hard work of grinding it out, rolling their sleeves up, doing the work and making things happen, making life happen. And I believe my dad instilled that in me as a, as a young man. And that's what that's what kept me from checking out, quite frankly. Um, it would have been really easy just to, to check out. And, um, but I don't have that switch. And so if I was going to stay, I had to figure out how to survive. I had to get around better people. I had to learn some new habits and some new skills. And fortunately, I stumbled in to, uh, to a mentor who became a hero, became like a second dad to me. And um, he literally changed my life. But one of the things he told me was, son, you've got to show up and do the work. I can teach you a system. I can teach you skills. I can teach you fundamentals. I can teach you all of that stuff, but I can't do the work for you. And if you'll show up and do the work, if you'll do the things that I ask you to do, if you'll keep your mind right, and keep your, keep your head sharp, I can take you places you've never dreamed of. And that old man poured into my life and he, he truly, truly took me places I never dreamed of. Oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. Well, I uh, want to fast forward then to current times, because in reading about you, reading your bio, front and center, you talk about a couple of heroes in your life, and that is your wife and your son. Um, tell us about that. Tell us why they're heroes. and What do they do that's heroic that inspires you? 
Yeah. And you know what? I have a front row seat to greatness every single day. And we have a son. He's a, he's a remarkable, remarkable young man. At five years old, they told us um, that he was special needs. They told us that he was not, uh, he was uneducable in many ways that he, you know, he wouldn't graduate. He wouldn't, he, they told us all these things that our son wasn't going to do at five years old. They, they projected his entire life hmm. in terms of what he would not do, would not accomplish. And because I'm married to a leader with the title of mother who doesn't believe in, in anything but positivity and, and good things. She took the storyline that life was trying to give us and she rewrote it and she created a compelling vision for our son's life. And gosh, for 19 years now, I've had the privilege and the honor of watching this leader with the title of mother do her work. And it really is an example of leadership because to, to bring out the best in someone else, we have to find the best in us. And before Lisa could help our son, Josh, she had to, she had to sharpen the saw. She had to develop some new skills. She had to figure out how this kid was going to learn how he processed information, what it would take to make him the best version of himself. And that's not an easy thing. Leadership isn't for the weak. I can promise you, you know, leadership is tough and it's hard. And, you know, sometimes as leaders, you know, we want to be liked and we think it's about popularity. And what I've learned from my wife is that leadership is always about potential. And when you help somebody find their true potential, you by default become a very popular leader. But the process of that isn't easy. You know, you've got to get down in the ditch and be willing to do the work and get dirty and get bloodied and really draw out the best in other people. And that's not always an easy thing. And so I've been on this ride now for 19 years watching this leader with the title of mother do her work. And what this kid has gone on to, to create what he's done in his life is extraordinary. I can't wait to share it with everybody okay. during the conference. It's a, it's a really special thing. All right. Thank you for that. Um, in correspondence, you've written that the role of leadership in an organization is to create an environment where people can be the best version of themselves I love that, but it, it, I, I'm sure it's not as easy as it sounds. So talk about that. How does someone achieve that? What are some steps someone can take to find the best version of themselves? Yeah, you're right. It's easy to talk about. It's really, really hard to do because it really, the light turns right back on us as leaders. You know, culture, when we talk about culture, it, that's kind of like getting your arms around, your, your hands around smoke. <laughs> you know, it's like a vapor. It's like we talk about it. We, we know it when we feel it and we see it, but we can't always explain it. And so coming out of the franchise world, coming out of that, that leadership perspective, I look at leadership very much like franchising. Franchising is a duplicatable system that we teach other people to get predictable results. Wow, that sounds a lot like leadership. That sounds a lot like parenting. Yeah. We teach others a system that produces predictable results. We teach them our values. We teach them our operating system. We teach them our habits. We teach them our attitudes. We teach them all of these things and we get predictable results. And the hard thing for a leader to accept is that we reproduce what we are. And that's a hard pill to swallow. And when I was a young leader, when I was really young and uh, I was a newly minted supervisor, I, uh, I went into my, my mentor's office one day and I said, man, I'm really frustrated. He said, what's wrong? I said, I'm surrounded by idiots. And um, these people can't get it done. They have poor attitudes. They, you know, they're making excuses or doing all these things. And he said, I'm gonna tell you something, son. We reproduce what we are. So if you're surrounded by idiots, you probably need to go take a look in the mirror. 
that was a really tough pill to swallow, but he was absolutely right. And so when it comes to the to leadership, when you think about bringing out the best in somebody else, first of all, you have to recognize the best in other people. You have to be committed to that mentoring process. So many le leaders fall prey to feeling like they just need to tell people what to do instead of showing them what it looks like. It's not about barking out orders and it's not about having all the answers. Leaders so often fall into the trap of thinking they have to have all the answers. And the truth is, Daniel, the great leaders, the, the, the truly heroic leaders have the right questions. They understand that everybody around them already has the answers. But if you've created an environment where people won't share that information because they think you need to be the smartest person in the room, guess what? That's a cultural defect that we create as leaders where we silence the voices who can give us the answers that we truly need to move the organization forward. Okay. One of the other things that you talk about is creating a culture of heroes. You were talking about culture earlier. Mm -hmm. It's like uh, <laughs> grabbing smoke as you, as you reference. So how do you go about creating a culture of heroes? How do you empower that group of people that are on that team to feel like they are part of the team and not just just a cog in the wheel, yeah. so to speak. And you just said it, it's, it's really engaging. And I think in our work world today, that's the one thing that is so important is that we, we give people that voice and we bring them along for the journey. We don't just assign them to a role because that's where we need them. We actually do the work of finding out what is Daniel best at? What is mm -hmm. Daniel's best contribution to this organization? What can Daniel bring to the table that nobody else has? And, and how, can we, how can we amplify that? How can we grow that? Because if we do that, then Daniel's going to have the best experience at work. We're going to get the best out of Daniel. And by default, our customers, our members, our colleagues are going to get the best experience too. And as leaders, we get selfish sometimes. And if Daniel's my A player, I want to put Daniel in a role where I need him and maybe not where he's the most gifted. Mm -hmm. And then we burn Daniel out. Daniel leaves. We wonder what happened. Daniel was so great. Yeah. Well, it's because we misused our resources. And I think now more than ever, when we ask the right questions and we give people to your, to I love your word, empower, when we empower them to share, when we empower them and we say, listen, I need your brilliance. I need your intelligence. I need your skill sets. And the people on the team feel free to share information and to be truthful, mm -hmm. to share what's working and what isn't working. To not just, not just paint the rosy picture, but let's talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, about what would really make things better around here. I think that's when you'd start to develop a team of people that are committed at a different level, and they're bound together at a different level. And that's when you find those really special cultures that we hear so much about in certain organizations. Yeah, man, I, I love that. That is just, that is a beautiful way to put it, to find what's, you know, kind of, to kind of steal the terms, what's that superpower that each person brings to the table? And then instead of just saying, let's, you know, make a, you know, the square peg in the round hole part, because gosh, we've got to fill this spot and we're going to put somebody there who's going to be bad for us and bad for them. And yeah. boy, they were so good in the interview. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know what? The truth is when we do that the right way, we create an environment that creates energy and then everybody on the team starts recruiting other people like them 
And all of a sudden we end up with a waiting list of people that want to go to work for us instead of this shortage that we hear so much about. I, I think the shortage, the shortage is we have a shortage of great cultures, work cultures. We have a shortage of great leaders who truly engage and mentor and are committed to building people and not just producing a result. Mm -hmm. Because the, the human element now, if we've learned nothing over the last three years, it's that we need each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, technology is wonderful. I mean, we can do this podcast over Zoom and we can have conversations, we can have meetings, we, we can reach people all over the world any time of day or night. Technology is brilliant for doing business, but we need each other for doing life. And technology should never, ever replace human connection. I think it was Einstein who said, or at least he was attributed to this, or it was attributed to him. He said, when, when, human in, when, when, when technology surpasses human interaction, we'll have a generation of idiots. Nailed it. <laughs> Right. We need each other. And don't get me wrong. Technology should make it easy for people to do business with us. Right. Technology should make it easy to transact business, but it should never, ever be become a replacement for human connection. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you about that then. Um, I wasn't planning to go here, but as you know, because you're studying cultures, you're studying companies, you're studying heroes and leaders and, and what they're what makes them tick. What is your best advice then for organizations that are either in a remote work situation or in a hybrid work situation? Whereas I'm guessing if you were in that franchise world uh, for a long time, mm -hmm. uh, depending on the franchise, you guys were right in the trenches together working side by side. Maybe that's not always the case now. How do you create that culture of heroes or how do you establish that kind of communication and not lose it? when mm. there is this we're on different parts of the planet or we're mm. just not in the same building right now right and, and that's a that's a great question and i think we've one of the things that will destroy an organization faster than anything else is an us versus them mentality whether it's management versus the team whether it's corporate versus the field we, you know we've always had certain degrees of separation and now we've complicated that with remote work and i hey listen i'm not I'm not not a fan of it. I, mm -hmm. I think it gives some flexibility. It gives some some lifestyle choices for people that maybe they didn't have before. I think it's a brilliant thing if it's used properly. And but I think to answer your question, it comes down to our intention as a leader. Um, you and I can spend time over Zoom and still talk about personal things. Mm -hmm. And that's where that connective tissue comes from. I don't think we can be 100 percent separated all, you know, forever. And, and still maintain a truly healthy culture. But I think there are degrees of separation that we can, we can manage, but I still think at least, at least once or twice a year, we have to come together as an organization and have a party, have a celebration, network, grow together, share ideas, laugh together, hug each other's necks and spend that time. I think that's really valuable. And that's why we have these conferences. That's why we come together is to network and learn and grow and to be in the same space. But when we're not, and we are connected electronically, it does not give us the right to push the, the intentionality out of the relationship and just jump on these calls and run through key metrics, go through the reports, go through the plan, you know, give out the orders, and we'll see you next time. We have to be intentional. And hey, what's going on in your life? How's your mom doing? I know she's, I know she's been sick. Just know that we've been thinking about her. And oh, how, how, how did the, the Little League World Series go? I know your kid was playing in that. How did that go? It's all of the same ways we connect in person, 
but we just have to be a little more intentional about it. And the other thing I'll say about technology and creating the culture is we have to be, be willing to engage at a higher level. This idea of turning our cameras off and multitasking and being on our phone and you know, feeding the dogs and doing all the things we have to be, we have to make sure that when we're working, we're working, whether it's as leaders, as teammates, as you know, when we're talking to our customers, because the one thing that will, that will destroy a culture is the disconnect mm -hmm. that happens in person. And it happens, you know, how many people do you talk to sometimes, Daniel, and you're standing right there with them and they're busy looking at their phone and then they look <laughs> back at you and go, Oh, I'm sorry. What did you say again? How disrespectful right. Right. to be in someone else's space and to not be completely tuned in to what they're doing, because what we're really saying is that you don't matter a hundred percent. Mm -hmm. that whatever that was that just buzzed me, pinged me, ringed me, that, that, that carries more value than this moment where I'm connected to you. And so I, I think it comes down to engagement. It comes down to intentionality and it be, it, 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 we have to be committed to that. Otherwise, otherwise we will get further and further away from each other. All right. Well, I want to ask you then if, for the people who uh, are intending to go hear you speak um, in Boston or the ones that may be on the fence and they wanna know even more about what you're talking about. Are there any resources or tools that you can share with us on the hero effect, on culture, anything else that you've got for us today? Yeah, they can go to theheroeffect.com and they'll find all things hero there. There's videos out there, there's articles, there's, there's all kinds of things that they can look at. And I'll tell you, they are not going to want to miss the opening keynote. I promise you, one of the things I know, my dad always told me, he says, start what you, you know, be, be sure to start, but also be sure to finish what you start. Mm -hmm. And this opening keynote is the start. And I promise you, it will be the springboard to an amazing conference, opportunities to learn, to squeeze every ounce of knowledge, networking, fun, fellowship, all of those things out of this moment in time. You're not gonna to wanna to miss it, I promise. All right. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for joining the MGMA Insights podcast, sharing these insights with us today. Can't wait to meet you in person in Boston. Likewise, Daniel. It's been great. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Kevin Brown. You can hear Kevin as the opening keynote speaker at MGMA's Leaders Conference in Boston, which will be held there October 9th through the 12th. Go to mgma.com slash events to register. We also want to thank Social Climb and MGMA Events for sponsoring this week's show. If you're not collecting data on your marketing efforts, you're wasting your marketing spend. Visit get.socialclimb.com slash mgma to learn how Social Climb's platform helps you get more patients with data-backed marketing that tracks patients from first touch to a scheduled visit and beyond. And join MGMA for the Financial Management Certificate Program on August 9th through the 11th. This MGMA Certificate Program is an in-depth online learning experience that provides healthcare leaders with a mastery of financial management concepts. Go to mgma.com slash events to learn more and to register today. 
If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. And to access all of our podcasts, go to mgma.com slash listen. And if you want to add to the conversation or suggest experts for us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.